Hiring? With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash 247sports. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash 247sports. Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Oh, yes! That's right. Um, this this is it. Like we're we're in full uh, we're in full effect now. We've got games to recap. We've got um, we've got our final chance to make picks. Uh, Barton, man, we we watched we watched real life football that counted in the standings this weekend. It felt it felt good. Felt really good. Felt really good. I'm glad to get your energy to wake me up this morning, Chip. Um, I am. Uh, it was like a double dip weekend for me I had all that football to keep me excited but I was in the middle of it all I had a two-year-old birthday party I had to get ready for and uh, my wife is full speed ahead with with two-year-old birthday parties so that was was that wore me out as well uh, and uh, man I'm just you know now I get to kind of zero in refocus uh, and and get ready for week one did you zero yeah week zeros in in the background did you uh at least be able to to make you know as you're trying to balance all your different responsibilities as we talked about at the end of last week there was a lot of uh top high school talent in action on friday on a national stage in some of these big high profile early season games uh we did have of course uh, you know, Oregon State just getting blitzkrieg by Colorado State. Great showing for Mike Bobo. We're going to get to break down uh, a few thoughts from Week Zero here in a little bit. Did you uh, put up uh, as? Did you put up enough of like a fight, a resistance, a performance? You know, as as it's full speed ahead. Like, do you feel like you're showing up? Like, are you showing up like San Jose State? Or are you showing up <laughs> like Rice? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you able to get out there and at least have an impact? Because. Uh, yeah, I don't. I kind of feel like of of all the places to start for the weekend, like Stanford sixty two, Rice seven. That's one that just jumps off the score. I w- I was watching this instead of the fight, and I was loving every bit of it. Uh, yeah. Well, that first of all, speaking of the fight, had every intention of watching that, but based on my day of of two year old birthday party, <laughs> out. I, uh, I, I was I was out cold on the couch at nine forty five p.m. So. Uh, I missed the fight. It was Barton and, Simmons TKO two year old birthday party. Right, right. <laughs> and, and and I started. I was able to watch the first uh, three or four drives. I feel like of the Stanford uh, Rice, but that that was a bigger bloodbath than, than any fights yeah. could have possibly been. <laughs> I mean that that was just mass murder out there. Uh, man, what what an impressive showing for Stanford. Um, you know, we released our our rankings or our, our Pac-12 predictions. And I made a last-minute change on mine before we released them. I, I switched to to Washington as my North winner and Washington as my uh, as my Pac-12 winner. But before that, I was very close to putting Stanford as my North winner and Stanford as my Pac-12 winner too um, and making them a playoff team. 
because I do love this Stanford team, but I had my doubts about Keller Christ. Could he do it? Could he get the job done? I don't know if that's necessarily been answered based on that rice showing, but no. holy cow. <laughs> the rest of the team looked ready to roll. So Stanford, man, USC and that, that the USC Stanford game, I guess we got two weeks before that one. Um, uh, you know, that that game is going to be something else. I, so we um, one of the things we're going to be doing here today is providing a little bit of an explainer. Our, our expert picks, our final calls, the our playoff picks, our national championship picks, our Heisman Trophy picks, they're all going to be going up on CBSSports.com. Uh, we are going to provide a little bit of context, a little bit of a preview uh, or a uh, or an explainer, depending on when you see those. But man, I. You know, I I came real close. I was a little bit late turning in my thing. I'm I'm sitting here looking at my handwritten notes. I was about to put Stanford in the playoff just based on a knee jerk reaction. Um, I I feel like the takeaway for me is that it makes the Stanford USC debate so much fun to play out because we get the one early season matchup that you just mentioned but if you are looking at the Stanford team as one that uh, is going to be able to get a head-to-head win against Washington that's going to be able to avoid uh, too many other traps along the way and Pac-12 schedule you know I've mentioned it before that nine game schedule in a 12-team league there's nowhere to hide everybody plays a tough schedule in the Pac-12 if Stanford can get to that Pac-12 championship game I just think it makes it so fascinating to think about, uh, all right, can either one of these teams, USC or Stanford, be able to get the sweep on the season? And I don't feel like one team is definitively going to be stronger enough than the other to be able to do that. And then that's when you start to look at depth. And man, I kind of feel like the Pac-12 because you've got Stanford as like a, a team that could be USC's equal or Washington, a team that could be USC's equal, we might see uh, we might see the Pac-12 deal with one of these situations where everyone beats up on each other, uh, where you've got a, lot of, a couple good teams that might be playoff worthy, but because of the way the chips fall at the end of the season and you got to pick four teams, they might end up being the conference that's left out. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's a... I think that's possible. We'll we'll see. I mean, the um, I think Washington, Stanford, USC are going to be the 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 class of the Pac-12. Um, I think, you know, obviously Stanford, Washington play each other. Washington misses USC. They uh, Stanford plays USC. That's part of the reason that I ended up going with Washington is just because they do, get, you know, miss USC and and if they can just handle their business the rest of the the way even if they lose on the road on a Friday night at Stanford late in the season uh, I think Stanford's got a tougher schedule may have another loss in there somewhere uh, Washington may be able to survive that run and, and get in there with one win and or one loss and 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 play USC in the in the finals um, so I don't know it's it's it, you know I think that that conference similar to the big 12 is is very has a lot of parity. Lot, not a lot of easy games, like you said, nowhere to hide. Uh, but it's going to be about um, taking care of your business because I think those three teams, to me, are clearly better than the others. And then, and then, like you know, part of taking care of your business is uh, for USC 
getting it done against Utah or for Washington, getting it done in the Apple Cup against Washington State because they are the first class, but that second tier, uh, it's, it's no pushovers at all. No, 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 no. no Oregon State, that's for sure. Dude, so I got my first Oregon – I got my first sort of like uh, heckling – from the from the internet fans or the internet uh, tough guys, so this <laughs> I was sitting there first half right. Like I watched pretty much all the first half of Oregon State Colorado State, and I thought honestly I thought Oregon State kind of looked like the better team in the first half. Sure. Uh, they they controlled the pace. They had you know some big play opportunities. I thought they should have created some the turnovers at the end of the half. I thought it really should have been twenty four seventeen at halftime, uh, and and then. The birthday party kicked in, and I had I wasn't able to be quite as dialed in. And I, uh, I tweeted early in the second half. I tweeted, um, "Gary Anderson is is going to make people remember he's a really good coach this fall." <laughs> and harmless enough, right? Yeah, yeah, dude, and then, absolutely. And then they go on to get beat fifty-eight to twenty-seven or whatever it is, and just get run out of the house and. And I get just lambasted by all the Twitter folks just saying, hey, nice pick, man. Like, they're, you know, uh, you're the biggest idiot on, you know, college football, like excuse for a college football expert out there. All this stuff. So it was good to feel the burn there, to just kind of <laughs> feel alive and know, hey, they're out there listening and, and uh, they hate your guts for the first time this year. Uh, but uh, that was that that was uh, that was interesting to see Colorado State just blow the doors off the last quarter and a half. They were uh, they were mentioning it on the uh, on the broadcast. By the way, you know I'm the shameless plug for uh, for one of our colleagues on the broadcast side. I just just love watching Aaron Taylor call a game and start hollering about the big boys up front. He'll yeah. start calling out blocking schemes as they're happening. It's just a it is an incredibly informative and fun uh, viewing experience. Nick Stevens looking great through for like three hundred and some yards, but this uh, this Colorado State team, you know, obviously going to be uh, one that in the in the Mountain West where you've got uh, a Wyoming led by Josh Allen, when you've got uh, Ripian under center at Boise State, they're they're going to be able to hang for sure. Um, yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. No. I, I. I. I'm. Yeah. They're. They're offensively. They are. They're stacked. And right. They're, and and I think Mike Bobo. What's What's interesting about Colorado State is, is Mike Bobo sort of on that cusp of being a a hot coach for the next silly season, the next uh, hiring cycle, and if he can keep on coaching up offense like that and keep on putting up those kind of points. Uh, he could his stock could rise really quickly this fall. And isn't that kind of setting him up for a job that would be looking for the offensive infusion? You know, we we oftentimes see, you know, if if your team's been uh, if your team has really been struggling to put points on the board, then you're going to hear the boosters and the fans start to call for uh, like a a Chad Morris type, or you know, like that the right. hot the hot head coach with the offensive background whose teams have been able to go out there and put points on the board. And you know, whether that's in the Big Twelve, whether that's in the Pac twelve, I th- I think that he's certainly setting himself up for a good opportunity there. I agree, and there's, I mean, and there's going to be some turnover this year. I think, and even in the SEC, where he's got roots and he's a Southern guy, and uh, there's going to be some opportunities. So uh, Bobo is officially on the watch list now, uh, uh, and uh, and and you know, law 
long gone are the days of Georgia fans crying for Mike Bobo's head. All of a sudden, he <laughs> seems like an off- the offensive genius. They, um, so it's just funny. <laughs> um, all right. New head coach, new place, new face. Charlie Strong's debut for South Florida didn't really start all that well. Uh, first quarter, they find themselves down 16 to nothing to San Jose State, playing on the road. Then uh, we talked about Sterling Gilbert, the offensive coordinator who came with him from Texas. Uh, it was at Tulsa before that with Philip Montgomery, sort of part one of these uh, offensive coaching trees that we all seem to be watching to see how it plays out. Then things get rolling, uh, four touchdowns in the second quarter, and then they're able to roll from that to a 42-22 to 22 win. I didn't get as many eyes on this one. Um, you know, I've, I've gone back. I've looked at the, uh, the takeaways. I've, I've been breaking down uh, with what little highlights I've been able to get. I can, I can again, from you know, the, uh, about an arm's length away, I feel like I can chalk some of this up to first-year first head coach, Starting on the road, week zero. I my the alarm bells are not going off for the Bulls for me. What did you see? What did you think? Um, yeah, th- I mean, I I think that's a tough tough game. You got to go into a three fourths empty stadium in in San Jose, California. Um, different time zone. Just you know, it's going to sleepwalk through the first quarter for a little bit. It, it was just a little bit of a tough first atmosphere and. I mean, to, to San Jose State's credit, those guys really moved the ball well. I mean, even when they didn't score, they had a they had like a turnover on, when they were driving. Uh, they had they had like a you know some drop pass interception type plays. They, there's there's a lot of uh, opportunity there for San Jose State that they weren't able to cash in on. So I do think that that was a um, you know there's something to watch there. Uh, the, the the defense doesn't look vastly improved at, at USF than it was last year. I still think that they're a little bit overrated in terms of talking about a 12 and 0 season, oh, but I'm yeah. not going to put this. I'm not going to put this this game as any sort of a, a red flag because, again, it is um, it is a, a game where they're playing in front of about 8,000 fans, and and it's hard for those guys to get up for that type of atmosphere. So, uh, not kicking not kicking dirt on Charlie Strong just yet, but I, I've, I've I have thought and and said it and wrote it when our AAC preview that they're a little overrated and that there's going to take some time for this staff to, to settle in. And, uh, and I think that we're seeing that early on. Do you think that there's, um, there's a, a spot like the 12 and 0 talk is absolutely overrated. Like that's, that is uh, for, for a team that has a lot of question marks, uh, a lot to replace from last year and a, an entire changeover and a pretty dangerous American athletic conference. When you just, you know, look at, uh, the other teams in that league that you know might be are absolutely like not that far away from the Bulls. What do you think is a realistic expectation? Like, what would what would make uh, South Florida rightly rated in your eyes? Like, what's a what's a realistic prediction? Well, what they go last? They were ten and two last year, yeah. right? Ten. And, I think that. 10 yeah, and if they could just run it back at ten and two. That's that's probably you know they're probably still a borderline top twenty five team, and they're still going to you know, beat some really good teams and lose to a couple good teams. And uh, I think that's kind of what this this group is. I'm just not – I don't think that they are com- complete enough to to do a, a – make a Boise State kind of run or, a, a, you know, an old Utah kind of run where they're, you know, sniffing the playoffs. And they're definitely not sniffing the playoffs because they don't play anybody out of conference. But um, to go undefeated, I just think you got to have a little bit more of a complete – 
roster, uh, play better defense. Um, you know, have a have a have a coaching staff that's 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 settled in. Uh, I just think they've got some questions that I'm not. I don't think are answered. Temple, uh, like I, I don't think Temple is a gimme. Uh, they finished the season with Houston, Tulsa, and then at uh, UCF. I think that's tough. Um, yeah, I. I, th- I see 10 and 2, but I think the improvement this year would be 10 and 2 and then actually win the division because it was Temple a year ago that won the AAC East. So, like, South, right. South Florida was 10 and 2 and they were putting points on the board and it was a lot of fun and it got Willie Taggart the Oregon job. But uh, if you want to be in the mix for the New Year's Six, I, I'm pretty sure you got to win your conference to be able to, uh, to get nominated for that. So, I think that would be the next step. That would be a step forward. Uh, for sure, for South Florida. Um, all right, so two news notes over the weekend that I wanted to hit on. The first of which, uh, certainly a scary headline, though it, it seems that right now, um, non-life-threatening injuries for Alabama defensive lineman Raquan Davis caught a stray bullet in the leg outside of a Tuscaloosa bar. This is uh, one of these stories where I I have a hard time coming with a major take i think it is absolutely worth mentioning because he's a sophomore that was expected to potentially start absolutely be part of that rotation on the defensive line um but when you're when we when you're talking about the alabama defensive depth like we do um you you got to strike more than one person from one game for me to really freak out well not only that but he was i mean he was battling for a starting job with isaiah bug so they're they're going to be fine in that spot. That's an area where they can stand to take a hit. Anytime you're losing a six foot seven, three hundred and fifteen pound defensive <laughs> lineman, I mean, it's it, it it's you know it's not totally insignificant. But I think long term he's going to be in. He's going to be back. Um, Isaiah Bugs is fine as far as a starter in pl- his place. Um, I'm just telling. I'm, if I'm Nick Saban, I'm just telling the guys, hey guys. We're a week out from the biggest game, uh, biggest college football opener of all time. Maybe stay out the club for a couple of days. Dude. Uh, I mean, especially a club where there's stray bullets flying around. The, and uh, this is like go to a house party or something. Yeah, you know? this is a this is a club where there's been like multiple shootings in the last couple of years. It's just a hot spot. You got you got to know you leave you leave there early. This is not yeah. a spot you want to be at when it's when it's like everyone's standing around at the end of the night. Nah, you gotta gotta make Nothing a business happens decision. After midnight. Yeah. Thank you. Come on, y'all. Listen to Barton Simmons. Nothing good happens after midnight. Um, this, then we've got uh, Wisconsin, more attrition at Wisconsin. And, you know, I was talking about the alarm bells, and I'm absolutely reactionary, and I'm going to freak out over some week one result, and I'm going to freak out over some, you know, late headlines just because we've been pounding. Like, I don't know about you, but I we have to start you – know, like, we've got to start coming up with our takes and our opinions on the season – in like early July, and so you just ride on them for like two months. Then all of a sudden, we start getting all these new developments. Everything that I thought I knew isn't, right. <laughs> you know. And you know, my my Wisconsin could be creeping into the Big Ten at twelve and zero. Then Jack Sitchie goes down, and then we learn this week uh, Zach Braun, another linebacker, not necessarily a starter, but certainly part of that rotation in their offense. I mean, in their defense, is going to be out for the year with a foot injury. I, I look at those two, and you know what else? I remember that we've got to deal with uh, more changeover on that staff, 
and suddenly my belief that this Wisconsin defense that was so much fun to watch last year, um, you know, without T.J. Watt, without uh, Jack Sitchy, without Zach Braun, um, like all of a sudden, and no Justin Wilcox too, I'm I'm starting to think my 12-0 and prediction a little bit too bold. Maybe good at the time, but I'm I'm backing off of it pretty hard. I think that it's going to be a little bit tougher for the Badgers to be able to uh, live up to some of those potential playoff dark horse uh, expectations. Well, I I mean I picked Northwestern to win the division. Oh, you've uh, got it. You were ahead of it, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I, but I I did it with. I mean, I, I'm certainly not like overly confident. It, you know, I. I just you know, but and, and just like we talked about with Sitchi, Wisconsin's got guys behind these 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 starters and these these regular players that are are are, are ready and they're going to have their opportunities. But as you, I mean, look, first year coordinator, um, I still don't think that their offense with a new starter at running back with Alex Hornibrook at quarterback, who's who wasn't setting the world on fire last year, um, it's going to take a couple games for me to remember why how why I like Wisconsin so much because right now as they start to get depleted a little bit defensively and I, I look up and their offense is you know is is sort of a a bunch of really good offensive linemen and some some more anonymous skill players uh, I just I need to see a couple games to get back on the Washington train but but right now I'm I'm, I'm still feeling Northwestern Zach Bond, by the way, not Zach Braun. Um, you know this. This is this is the the kind of struggle that you have when you're when you're trying to get out there and you're trying to look for talent. Uh, you sometimes lose a very talented piece of your team, and then all of a sudden you've got to go out there and find it, and it can be tough. But with ZipRecruiter. You can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. So then businesses of all sizes, if all of a sudden you find yourself in a spot to need a replacement, to need some talent, you need to link up with ZipRecruiter because unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. In fact, it finds them. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within one day. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash 24-7-sports. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash 247sports. One more time, try it for free today. ZipRecruiter.com slash 247sports. All right. Last, last, like, bold, spicy, you know, hard takes. This is, this is the last time that we're really – we're going to have uh, game picks coming up at, uh, at the end of the week. Well, I heard that the production team is currently in the lab trying to – trying to figure out what the what the game picks jingle is going to be really uh oh, <laughs> that that's that's the best i mean that's what's got people tuning in is the is the jingles the new jingles man that's that's like a um we're on a cliffhanger there waiting for that next jingle i'm, I'm ready for it it's uh it's it's coming you know I'm, i think we i'll get a documentary team in here and then i'll release a dvd like after jay-z did the black album <laughs> with, a, <laughs> with different chapters for each song um all right let's let's start here at the uh, at your playoff four then we'll go to champion 
then uh, we'll defend some of our overrated, underrated, and then Heisman. Does that work for you? Let's do it. All right, so who is your playoff four? Number four, the four seed, Washington Huskies. Mm. Number three, Clemson Tigers. Two, Bama. One, Ohio State. All right, so is that with Ohio State going undefeated or a one-loss, one-seed Ohio State? Um, I'm inclined to say undefeated Ohio State, but it doesn't – I think, yes, I think undefeated Ohio State because I've got them as my one seed. Uh, I think that they beat Oklahoma. I think that they, because uh, early in the year, I put, you know, during the summer, I wrote that the Big Ten was the top conference. I I regret writing that because I don't believe that anymore. I think that the Big Ten is the best, has the best national title pool of contenders, but they are very bottom weak. And they, Ohio State has a lot of easy games in conference that I think allows them to, to tool up for the important games and f- focus in on the important games. And so I do think there's a very real possibility we see them go undefeated. Uh, certainly they could trip up somewhere um, and, and still get in there as even the one seed, uh, depending on who they lose to, when they lose, and, and how they do in the, in the Big Ten championship game. But I just think Ohio State is this year's most talented team in college football. I, all right, my four, Florida, yeah. Florida State four, with my bold prediction that Florida State becomes the first two-loss team to make the college football playoff. I could see that. I Oklahoma, like that. Oklahoma three, Ohio State two, Alabama one. Gotcha. I like it. So here, all right, here are my questions. Here, here's the I considered Oklahoma too, and the only reason I di- basically didn't is that would be, that would be, it's just hard for me to envision first year thirty three year old coach Lincoln Riley, living to up to expectations to that degree where he's got them playing in a national title game. I still think or national or college football playoffs. I still think Oklahoma wins the Big Twelve, but I think they. They, they're going to have a loss to Ohio State, I think. Uh, and they'll have another loss somewhere in the Big 12, I think. And I you know, I just don't know if they can get in there with, with 10 and 2. So you are assuming then, with Oklahoma in, that they're either A, beating o- Ohio State, or B, running the table in the Big 12. Correct. Which or both are they doing? Either one. I think it's one or the other. Yeah. I, the the yeah. prediction is made with the idea that if they are a conference champion – who has won the conference championship game and the only loss is to another college football playoff team. The And and this was, again, this was paired with my Pac-12 cannibalization theory. Right. This was paired with the idea that as you're sitting down on championship weekend, maybe USC gets Stanford early, but then Stanford gets the rematch or vice versa. Like something happens in the uh in the Pac-12 that causes uh all of a sudden uh similar to Ohio State jumping in it was just one of those moments where uh they it looked a little bit messy and they need they need like someone to stand out and that's where Oklahoma just shows up in the Big 12 championship game and like wins by 25 or something like they they in the first Big 12 championship game play their way into the field and i think that Florida State 
ends up doing the same where they show up in the ACC championship game and look awesome. And if that's happening at the same time as uh, the Pac-12 picture is just getting really, really messy, I think that the, the committee will choose the path of least resistance. They've got four Power Five conference champions and yeah, Florida State's got two losses, but one of them will be to a team that I predict will be the undefeated one seed, the Alabama Crimson Tide. So I, I with my Washington pick in the Pac-12, I sort of in part agree with your, your Pac-12 theory because I think USC might very well be the best team in the Pac-12, but they've got they have no bye weeks. They've got Stanford early. They play Texas, which is a tricky game. At Washington State... Uh, obviously they've got Utah, you know, on the road at Notre Dame, which could be a much improved Notre Dame team. Um, and then they'll get what I think is probably Washington in the, in the, uh, PAC 12 championship game. I just think it's a, tr- it's a, it's a treacherous road for USC. Whereas the, con- the, the, the flip side there with Washington's schedule is you have no tests outside conference, which is, you, know, you shouldn't be rewarded for, but in this case, I think Washington benefits from. They have no they have no road games after October or have one road game after after October fourteenth. Wow! Uh, they play four of their last five at home. That at Stanford game that that is in the middle of that run is is a tough game, no question. But I think that Stanford's you know they they may have two losses at that point in their own right. So it's the reason I picked Washington in the playoffs last year is because of their schedule. And the reason I'm putting them in this playoffs this year is sort of the same reason. They're really good, and they've just got an easier road. And I, when I look at the playoffs, I try to find teams that have realistic roads to get in. I think Washington has a, a, a reasonable road. So they're my four for that reason. And then I have Clemson in there, you know, in, in contrast to your Florida State pick because, again, I think they're getting Florida State at home. Yeah, yeah. Which to me makes all the difference. That's what's gonna. I think both are gonna survive for the most part. The rest of the the, the conference play, uh, but they've got the biggest game at home, and so that, I've got Clemson winning that one, and, and conversely have Clemson winning the, the conference. I um like so. I think that when I'm looking at my general playoff picture, I put Bama and Ohio State in the top tier. I've got like FSU, Clemson. Stanford, USC, and like I'll put Washington there because your realistic road argument's good. I've got Oklahoma in there, and I think that's the end. Like yes. I, I, I'll give you, I'll give you Washington for sure. That is a very good argument. I think that if I'm drawing a line in college football for the the playoff picture, Washington deserves to be in there. But Bama, Ohio State, Tier One, Tier Two, Florida State and Clemson, Stanford, USC, Washington, and Oklahoma, and man, I think that's it. I got a couple of teams I think are realistic. Um, for instance, when Clemson plays Auburn in like week two or three or whatever that is, I my theory is the winner of that game gets to the gets into the playoffs. Wow! Like I think I could see because that will be such if because let's say Auburn wins, Clemson goes. I still think Clemson could could continue to run the table. And I think that they, you know, if they beat Florida State, if they get to the Pac-12 championship game, uh, or not, sorry, the ACC championship game, win it. Let's say a one-loss Clemson is the champion of the ACC. 
and let's say Auburn beats Clemson, runs the table in the SEC, which I, I think is – I think Auburn is good enough to do that. They've got, they've got a really good defense. They've got a quarterback that I think is not enough people are talking about as like a Heisman Trophy candidate and a, a potential first-round draft pick. I mean, they, they like him at Auburn. They think he's really special. I know we've heard that before, but I, this time I've seen it with my own eyes, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm in. So if Auburn runs the table, even then goes and loses in the Iron Bowl in a close competitive game, then you, Alabama's in, but Auburn with one with one loss to Alabama and a close loss, and having already beaten Clemson, who is at that point is an ACC champion with a one loss, you, you got to put Auburn in at that point. And so I think that that's I know that's a, like a very specific scenario, but I think it's also a realistic scenario. So I think Auburn is good enough to be in there. Um, I also think you got to put Penn State as as a team that is is good enough to make it because they have quarterback play. They're going to be good enough on defense. Offense will be one of the better in the country. And then the I, I also think I could see a scenario that Stanford's in there too, as we talked about earlier. Okay. I mean, I'm, I've, I've got this literally like I'm I'm sitting here uh, updating my uh, my hand. Like normally, I take a lot of notes on the computer, but man, this is crunch time. I need to be so I need to be confident enough in my takes that I'm willing to put them down with pen and paper on undeletable tree that has been processed into nice ACC notepads. Given so, away what changes were you just making to your takes then? I mean, you're, you're just jotting stuff down. Are, are you are are you? Uh, uh, are you building your case against what I was saying, or are you? Uh, am I changing your mind? What's what 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 alterations are your takes getting right now? Well, all right. So both the Auburn and Penn State are be- are based on ideas that are shaking the cornerstone of my worldview. <laughs> the cornerstone of my worldview being that Alabama and Ohio State have are the only two teams with the roster to be able to sustain. Uh, almost any of the normal, uh, you know, pitfalls that could be in a college football season, like losing two games or not winning their conference. Like for Ohio State, not winning your conference doesn't even matter. They didn't. They didn't even win their division, and they still made the college football playoff. Yeah, like this is like this is uh, this is in that new post two thousand sixteen world where I think the college football sl- playoff selection committee can be like yeah but i mean they're nasty we gotta put them in we're trying, I mean, we're, we're, trying I, we're trying to pick the best team in college football and like unless we are wildly surprised and again wildly surprised by the on-field performance of future nfl players coached by two of the greatest college football coaches of all time which i don't think we will be then i, I just i kind of feel like this has got this has got to break with bam and ohio state in the playoff Yes, I think. I mean, I I agree absolutely. But that's not to say these aren't like the best teams ever ever assembled. And I think Penn State and Auburn are two teams that are capable of beating those two teams. Sure. And uh, so that's you know Penn State could pull that off. And I mean, I they did it last year, and they'll be better this year. Penn State should be. So <clears throat> that's that that's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out um but yeah i think i think there's to me there's the four i picked and then i think so i think i guess i've got 
I've got as many as I got ten. I got ten potential playoff teams that I that I consider, um, and uh, and and I think I think two are locks. Uh, with uh, as you said, I think Ohio State, Alabama are are in. There's just they're too talented not to it's, make it. They're so nasty. It's so all right. So those are our champion picks. Uh, surprise, spoiler alert. Uh, you've got the Buckeyes. You know what? Where where were you leaning when you were trying to uh, when you were trying to make the decision for your for your title pick? Yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously, I could see Alabama winning it too. I think Ohio State. My hunch is that they're the most talented team in the college football this year. Uh, and when you when you talk about talents along with experience, I think Alabama might have the most talented roster in college football. But there's a lot of guys that w- w- are still unproven right now. So with Ohio State's depth at the defensive front, with the the guys that they're, you know, with their quarterback who's experienced, and I know JT Barrett looked like absolute, you know what, at the end of the year last year. Like it, it's, I think with Kevin Wilson as the offensive coordinator, Ryan Day as their quarterbacks coach, they're they're gonna he's gonna be good. I think he's gonna have a good year, and and I think that they've got so many skill guys around and that complement what they want to do offensively that they'll be that they will be I think really good but ultimately that's about that defensive line same reason I have Clemson in the playoffs is the same reason I have Ohio State winning it is because defensive line play to me puts you in a great position to win championships so I'm on Ohio State I think Urban Meyer is 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 due for one and uh uh you know I think he's I think it's going to be uh tough to beat the Buckeyes this year it's uh how about that offensive line too? That might be a, a slept on group for me. I feel like I'm not given that group, which averages like what six four, three ten, right across the line. I might be not be given that group as much credit. Well, they didn't get. I mean, that was a weakness of theirs last year, if if you can call it that. And so I think that they want to be improved there, but I think they will be improved there. I think that they've they've. I mean, they've recruited so well that it's hard not to be. And, and you mentioned Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson was a phenomenal offensive coordinator, like record-breaking offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. I know, not a bad, not a bad head coach at Indiana, but but people have already sort of forgotten how incredible those offenses were for him at OU. So I think that offense is going to be pretty tough to handle this year at Ohio State, um, in part because of Kevin Wilson, but also is is again i am not a believer in jt barrett as an nfl quarterback but man i think he I, th- I think he's poised for a really good year because of what they've got around him and the coaches in place all right uh i've got sell me on bama yeah i i started thinking about this i could i could see us uh i i could see nick saban and brian dayball selling Tua and jalen hurts on a two quarterback attack and they just might be unstoppable old like uh steve spurrier days like that's that was not exactly two quarterback system as much as it was like uh let's let's keep this let's keep these guys um uncomfortable make sure they know that if they screw up there's someone's going to take their job yeah like actually uh working it to where they both come in and in situations to be successful yeah yeah i could i could see that um if they do that man that's ballsy Uh, (laughs) right I, I mean, all right, so here's what I was trying to think back. Um, when when Urban did it with Tebow and Leak, was Tebow mostly just short yardage? 
I mean, that – yeah, well, I don't know if it was – Tebow was their – obviously was their their bulldozer running back at quarterback. It was He was absolutely a short yardage guy. Yeah, I guess it was. I mean, I don't really remember. Like, they wouldn't have had Tebow in there in like a – just your typical – like a third and seven or something. Yeah, it wasn't a rotation by series either. It was situational. No, no. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking – I'm thinking, what if, uh, what if, it, what if, what if Saban and, and Brian Dable can sell them on like series by series rotations? I mean, that would give defensive coordinators fits. You would just have yeah. two two different offenses to prepare for. But you'd have to prepare two different offenses too. Ooh. Like that 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 cuts both ways uh, in terms of the preparation and practice for Alabama. Um, I've you know, there's been successful two quarterback systems, and I think in most of those. You do have the the running quarterback that comes in and the short yardage and and I don't know that I, I can't remember any where the the running quarterback is the starter and you bring in the passing quarterback for like third and longs like that's uh, that's a little research project maybe I need to check out like just like I, I if that's if that's the way they play it that would be. <laughs> Unbelievable! That would be something I've never seen, and so that that, that, that I, but it's fascinating to know how how things are going to turn out there because I think it's clear to is the better passer, but you know Jalen Hurts just led the team to a national title game. He's a special, yeah. He's a special talent. He was like the best. He was one of the best runners in the SEC last year. Any position, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I'm. I kind of. Th- I think that uh, ultimately this is the. Um, you know, I, I kind of factored in some revi- I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to uh, to see Ohio State win this all again. I think it's either Alabama or Ohio State because of once you get to the playoff. I mean, we've just seen you just you need to have uh, you need you need to have one of those rosters where your your backups at every position are are better than their backups. You need to be. Uh, talented on another level like you're playing you you need to win not just like one hyped up game in Glendale you need to be able to win two games against the best teams in college football and the two teams that seem like they can do that are Alabama and Ohio State I'm I'm thinking like if Minka Fitzpatrick can stay healthy you know Rashawn Evans like there's just uh there's just another crop of dudes that I'm looking at after you know seeing them in Tampa and seeing them fall short in like an absurd way you know like in in a 99 play game on a rub play at the very end you know like this is they they were right there and i i kind of see uh i don't know i'm going bama look i I am not hating that (laughs) (laughs) trust me yeah you're not gonna get cross-examined too hard on that one that that's it's it's uh I mean, Alabama's got like it, it's what they have personnel-wise is so absurd. I mean, they've had seven straight number one recruiting classes. It's 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 unprecedented. So uh, they're going to be just fine, and and it's going to be fun to watch Brian Dayball and start an offense that no one really sees coming. So uh, I'm with you. Uh, I just I, my hunch is Ohio State. Man, I I I now I I might actually. Uh make my whole explanation that I got to write here in a bit. What if the change of pace quarterback is a downfield passer? <laughs> what if I told you hashtag 30 for 30 voice that the change of pace quarterback 
is the one that can beat you. They can hit Calvin Ridley for a 45 yard pass on a post route. Yeah. And at that point, if when you got this, when you got the receivers in the backs that Alabama has, Hey, you can, you can kind of tell a team what's your, what you're going to run, but you still go, you still go get yours. <laughs> hey, so, uh, here's the, uh, here's the route combination that we've got for, <laughs> uh, for Ridley Foster and Jerry Judy. Good luck. We're running all goes, and <laughs> if you guys sit back, we're just going to dump it off to Najee Harris, uh, and, um, you know, good luck, guys. Hey, <laughs> 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 hey, so you had Auburn included in your playoff. You also are going to have to explain to the people Auburn and LSU being teams that you are deeming as overrated. No, 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 no. Underrated Auburn. Ooh, okay. Overrated LSU. Got it. So, so I've got your Auburn underrated, basically. Yeah, yeah that was yeah, the same yeah. argument for the playoff. But LSU overrated. Uh, LSU overrated. We've got – they're coming off – what were they, 8-4 eight and, eight and four regular season last year? Yep. Uh, they didn't get better at quarterback. And that was 8-4 and four with a bowl win. Because remember, it was 7-4 right. heading into the postseason. That's right. Yeah. So 8-4 and four with a bowl win. Four last regular season. They have – they're not better at the quarterback position, which has been their, their problem. They have a very unproven head coach. Look, as much as you may like Ed Orgeron, as much as you may think he is the, the right hire, to say that he is a, a known commodity is, is – I mean, hey, if, if he is a known commodity, he's a, it's, it's a bad commodity because all we know right now is, is you know, his struggles as a head coach at Ole Miss and that he's, you know, he's, he's just not super experienced. As a as an SEC head coach, at least he hasn't been in, in several years. A um, little bit of a ramble there, but I just think we don't know what Ed Ogeron is. So there's that. There's the fact that, uh, I, and I, I guess the problem with me is they're like 12th in the preseason or 13th, I think, in in the AP preseason poll. And while they are talented. I think at some point LSU's got to prove something. They got to do something. They got to and and they and right now they're just they're just still a bunch of really talented players that aren't winning big games, and and Coach O is not the if Tom Herman was here, hey maybe you got your that's your answer. All right now we can get on board. But Coach O is I mean we'll talk after the season. And, and figure out what body of work he put together, but preseason, ha- you can't you can't sort of pin put the 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 pin on him and say he's the answer. Um, now I have long thought Matt Canada is a is the real deal at offensive coordinator, so I think that they'll be good there. Uh, I think they'll be improved. But again, um, look when you're in the same division as as Auburn and Alabama, uh, I think Mississippi State is an improved team, and. I, you know, I just think that that LSU is going to have a tough road if they're eight and four again, which I think is not unrealistic. Then, uh, then, then they're they're not going to be twelfth in the country. So it was a little bit of a of of a nitpicking to pick LSU because I I didn't have a real beef with anyone in the preseason AP top twenty five, and that's sort of how, how I looked at mine from an overrated standpoint. Um, but LSU all the way up there at at twelve or thirteen. Again, I just think they get, they need to prove something to get to that point to me. Yeah, I think the only thing that is separating LSU from Texas A&M in my mind is that LSU's been winning that game at the end of the season pretty much every year. You know, like talented yeah. roster, but 
uh, still, still like not, this isn't 2011. Like I view LSU as a tier two team in the SEC West. And I also think they're, they're like, they're a little thin on offensive line. They've, they've lost a couple guys there. They've, you know, they've had a couple off. I mean, they've had a, you know, Arden key is how healthy is he? Um, I, I just, there's, there's enough questions there that they don't need to be knocking on the top 10's door. Um, you know, if they, I, I think if they, if, if Stanford lined up against LSU in week one and Stanford, I think is behind LSU in the, um, in slightly, the I think they're five, like at 14 or something like that. Yeah. I think Stanford would, 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 would win by two scores. Now that's easy for me to say now having watched Stanford for a week, but, uh, but I, like I'm, I'm very curious what's going to happen in that BYU LSU game. I think that's a real losable game for LSU, even after BYU, you know, piddled around with with Portland State last week. Uh, I think that's a tough tough matchup. So, um, yeah, that's just where I'm at with LSU. Good team, but let's you know, but let's let's pump our brakes a little bit before we're ready to put them in the top ten. I got USC is overrated, and uh, and it's it's again like you said. You know, I'm looking at the poll. And I'm seeing, you know, number four. And uh, yeah. I think that there's a lot of reaction to the last nine games. And I kind of feel like, you know, USC, even during these like so-called dark years, there's there's like there was only the one year that they were in the Sun Bowl and they were like seven and six. Like they've always ended up still winning by the end of the year, uh, you know, eight, nine, even maybe ten games. You know, they've because they've always had a top five, top ten level talent. It's just that the performance over a season has included these these one or two losses or these three losses along the way that end up having them be more of like a top fifteen, top twenty type team. And man, you you kind of terrified me uh, when we were talking about it in the Pac twelve preview because you're right. If, if anything happens to Sam Darnold, and given his NFL uh, stock, you, you kind of got to treat him um, like you can't, you can't expect Sam Darnold to just gut it out through a sprained knee and wait for the offseason for surgery if you think that you're going to be able to if, – if you think there's going to be more damage if he takes another hit. And if all of a sudden they find themselves with Matt Fink or Jack Sears in the middle of that run with no bye week, like I just – you know, like – if, if you're giving them the top five based on the potential, if everything goes right, then yeah, I'm with it. But in general, I just think the margin for error is much smaller uh, with USC. You know, I, I kind of feel like there's no way the bottom falls out. But if we're talking about them as being a potential 12-0 team heading into the Pac-12 championship game, uh, I think that that's a little much. Yeah, and, and I, I, you know, like I mentioned earlier too, I think that this is a tricky schedule. Uh, I think Texas non-conference is, is a tough game. Uh, Notre Dame non-conference is a tough game. Western Michigan non-conference, they'll, they should win that. Oh, but you've, it's, you've got the Broncos. You've got the Broncos against the spread. I yeah, love like that's it. A, to, to have that be your, your one just sort of bi-week non-conference game is, I mean, you got to go in there ready to play. So it's just, it's a, that's going to be a draining 12-week season with no bi-week where you got to come, you have to be mentally prepared every week. Because say what you will about the Pac-12, maybe it's not the best conference of college football, but as we've mentioned, there's there is every team in that conference is 
is decent. Like there's no horrible teams in that conference. Arizona maybe could go, fall under like the bad team category, but they had a ton of injuries last year and they should be better this year. So, um, you know, it's just a to me that's one of the reasons that I wasn't ready to put them in the playoffs because I just think their season is a grind this year and and I could just see them getting tripped up a couple times. All right, uh Heisman pick, who you got? I want Mason Rudolph. I like it. Oklahoma State. You know, I just I think I know their offensive line has to prove some things. Um, and but I think he's got the best group of wide receivers in college football. He's got an NFL arm. They're going to put up a ton of points. They're going to play in meaningful games. They are. It's you don't have to worry about them. Oklahoma State being just sort of. I know they're not as high profile a program as some others that and you kind of need some some high profile opportunity if you're uh, going to win the Heisman but I think that they will be playing and they're they're high enough ranked preseason that they'll be playing in in meaningful high profile games uh so I just like him distributing the ball to to Jalen McCleskey and and um Marcel Aitman and James Washington and all those guys and and just putting up too big a numbers to ignore. So if he's sitting there at eleven and one, even ten and two, throwing for three hundred and forty yards a game, uh, then I don't know how you don't give it to him. Yeah, it's uh, what what is the math? Like either the for quarterbacks, um, it's either you are a key piece of a national championship contender, or you have like country's best statistical greatness, and you are a power five quarterback. Like you and, know, he, uh, and he could have, and he could have, have both. He could if he if he checks both those boxes, then like I mean, he might he might burn down Bedlam. I mean, I mean, he might uh, he might take T Boone Pickens Stadium and throw for four hundred and fifty yards against Kansas. I know you like that secondary, but I was just looking at the Oklahoma State schedule and like that Kansas State game. Obviously, very very tough end of the year, but at, that's at home. And Kansas, like there's, if he's on the cusp of hitting some benchmarks, you know, and I don't know what those benchmarks are going to be, but if if he's on the verge of breaking some records, couldn't you see Mike Gundy uh, going to Yersicich, Yur- the uh, the offensive coordinator, and being like, "All right, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get him these records, and he's going to go oh, yeah. win this Heisman right now." <laughs> Hell yeah! And and the other thing about, I mean, I think Oklahoma State too is enough of an up like an upstart like a non-traditional power even I mean they're always good but just for some reason we always forget about them if they are absolutely in the the, the central focus of college, of the college football world for a stretch then I think that's enough of a story that Mason Rudolph has elevated them that all of a sudden the Heisman becomes almost I mean it's he's going to have a major advantage so there's a lot there's a lot to like about his Heisman campaign, and I'm writing about this actually today. But he's a he's a plus two thousand, I think, uh, money line bet, Ooh. Uh, which is a pretty good value considering he's like you know tenth or something in terms of the uh, the best odds to win it. So I, I like that pick in terms of looking for some Vegas value as well. All right, uh, I went on the other side of the Bedlam rivalry, um, going Baker Mayfield, and this is just this is tagged with. My coach of the year pick, which is Lincoln Riley. This is tagged with my earlier pick of Oklahoma to the playoff. Yeah, I, you're going all putting all your chips forward on, on yeah, Lincoln Riley. You know, I just I I gotta go uh, somewhere where I'm confident, and I just I could see 
that if Oklahoma, and you know, maybe it is because we mentioned earlier, it's either like upset the Buckeyes in Columbus and stun them there because boy, that would start the Heisman train, or play really, really well against that phenomenal Ohio State defense, lose, and then go into the Big 12 and run the table, which would include going into Stillwater in what would be like essentially the Heisman matchup. Uh, right there in early November, November 4th. I mean, November 4th schedule is sick. That's Alabama LSU night. That's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State night. I mean, this is uh, that that already got that date circled and getting excited for it. But I'm I'm kind of looking at uh, looking at this. That is if Oklahoma is going to be able uh, to make the most of this transition. And if this is going to be like one of those special seasons uh, in Norman, then, you know, Baker Mayfield's got to be a part of it. And if he's a part of it, I don't think that there's enough proven names anywhere else for me to think that the Heisman electorate and the Heisman voters are going to give the credit uh, to anybody else. So yeah, that's why I've got like this, this whole parlay going and then like parlays are great ways to lose money but you know like in terms of my projections it's like all right well if you're picking Oklahoma to be in the playoff then you're picking Lincoln Riley as your coach right. of the year and if right. Lincoln Riley's a coach of the year you got to think Baker Mayfield's a pretty good Heisman candidate I like it man don't diversify just go all in yeah you got you know what you want just go all in I I, I mean Baker Mayfield is another one that I feel like is getting a little bit overlooked in this sort of year of the quarterback um, talk because the guy was in the Heisman finals last year. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he is as difficult to defend as as anyone out there. He's got a great offensive line in front of him. Um, he's he. They still are talented at the receiver position, and while he doesn't have Joe Mixon and Samaji P. Ryan at running back, I, I, that that offense doesn't strike me as one that that needs some NFL talent at running back to be efficient. I think that they can get it done with with. The, the committee that they've got uh, I, I like the pick I think that I think Baker Mayfield is um, I think he's one of the best most exciting entertaining players in college football he's gonna have plenty of, of highlight plays signature plays whereas you know Mason Rudolph's just freaking you know it's just stats slinging Baker, it dude Mason Rudolph. <laughs> Baker Mayfield's got the you know this like backyard ball uh, Sandlot style. That's that's gonna that's 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 Heisman friendly. So uh, I think there's a lot of reason to like that pick. Yeah. Uh, your all right. Let's, let's call this uh, the award-winning question of the day segment. The question of the day for Barton Simmons is: Who's your coach of the year pick? Pat Fitzgerald. Yes. That's another one. Hey, if I'm gonna be betting on uh, Northwestern to win the Big Ten West, then he then, surely uh, is going to be up there. Yeah, yeah then, then for I'm sure. I'm not going to like go and, and throw my coach of the year pick at someone that's that's you know Nick Saban or something. Like this is, I think Pat Fitzgerald is one of the best coaches in college football. I think he has got a roster that has a good quarterback, a good running back, an experienced offensive line, and they're always really good on defense. And they return a lot of guys. And they have one of the best secondaries in the college football. So a lot to like about Northwestern. Um, I'm at this point because we're so far into the the preseason um, preview machine. I feel like I've been hyping Northwestern forever, and I've like doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on them at this point. So uh, <laughs> you know they may go out and lose the first game, and I'm just gonna like I'm, I'm going to go into depression. But I I just think that they're gonna be really good. And I think Pat Fitzgerald is is one of the best coaches in college football. Uh, and if he takes them to a 
you know, 10 and two type regular season, 11 and one type regular season, very possible, then uh, I, I think he's going to have a real, you know, uh, he's probably going to uh, have an, an easy, an easy W there when it comes to the award ceremonies. That back to back of at Wisconsin home against Penn state is so tough, but man, if they can get through that with, that's help. all, but that's the whole season. Yeah, that the whole I know. Season right that's there. then like they'll they'll fly below the radar after that and just keep stacking up these W's. And if they can get like if they can if they can get a little bit of luck, man, I could see them finishing the year with a whole string of wins. And and all of a sudden you're looking up and you're like, oh man, if Northwestern like goes to Illinois, like, like you could be looking at a situation where it's like, if Northwestern goes to Illinois and wins, which we absolutely think they will, they're going to go to play in the big 10 championship game. Right. Holy crap. And then, and then they'll have a shot at the playoffs. They just be, you know, whoever. And, and the, the, the part of the other reason why I like why, why that Penn state game is really tricky is if you look, I believe it's already got a time scheduled. I think it's already an 11 a.m. Kick. Oh game. yeah. And oh. that, if you're Penn State and you're going into, you know, windy Chicago, and you're you're kicking at 11 a.m. and you know Northwestern at that point isn't necessarily like a high-profile team yet. They're just it's just those games are such sleepwalk games. You see them every year. Northwestern plays them, and and they're ugly, and it's it's windy out, and it's just it's it's a trap. It's just a bad trap, and I could see Penn State rolling in there with without a lot of energy and losing that game, which would be a huge win for Northwestern in terms of resume builders. Um, and I think they're very capable as far as matching up well to, to play Wisconsin and beat them. So, uh, again, I just think that there's some opportunity there on the oh. schedule. Who, who, who you got? Who's yours? Um, but my coach of the year is Lincoln Riley. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. my, my my OU parlay, it's in. I'm Dude, Lincoln Riley, man, if he starts out that hot, uh, boy, that is some that is some serious expectations you set for himself <laughs> for the future. Uh, that is that that would be, but he's man, he's in a great position to get it done. Like, and I don't have a lot of reasons to to think that he's not going to be able to um, to hang in there, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I I wrote when Bob Stoops stepped down that Oklahoma would be just fine with Lincoln Riley. And I know that's a little bit dismissive of one of the greatest coaches of all time, uh, at least modern coaches of all time. So, but but I don't, there's, I have a lot of confidence in Lincoln Riley. Me he's, too. He, I mean, he's, he is as highly respected as anybody out there, um, you know, he hired, he hired us. You know, he's got a a, a, a crutch now with uh, with Ruffin on board that for to kind of help him manage and navigate. Um, I just think he is. Um, I think he's pretty good, and I think they got a really good roster. I think their defense is better than people realize. He's, so he's been on a staff for like fourteen years. It's, yeah, you know, it's it's not like I mean, he was a graduate assistant and a student assistant for the first couple of them, but yeah, like. You've come up under Leach. You've come up under Ruffin. You had uh, like a two-year internship with Bob Stoops, a national championship winning quarterback. And I mean, national championship winning head coach. You get Ruff on the staff. 
Like he's uh he's in the Oklahoma football machine, by the way, you know? Like yeah. he's uh it'll be fun. I'm I'm excited for it. Um he is Barton Simmons. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Make sure that you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports Podcast because subscribers get them first. We've got Dennis Dodd coming up on Wednesday. We've got picks with Tom Fernelli on Thursday and lots more of updates and thoughts on week one from Barton and I along with that. Barton, I'm excited, man. Thank you very much. Peace.